we can still train your pelvic floor at FLD. Everybody has a pelvic floor, so you don't need to be pregnant, just focus on your pelvic floor. Bo was not a little baby. He was, he's a big boy. So uh, my body's like center of mass and center of gravity and all of that was definitely skewed. I mean, my belly was huge. I was like all belly. And a lot of the stuff that we do, again, of incorporating, you know, everything from head to toes and everything in between, literally, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of nice to, to have a one-stop shop when coming to FLD and, and doing DVRT things. So, she's um, the intro line. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another exciting episode of the Fitness Line Down podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Kripe. So on this podcast, we keep pushing boundaries. We keep breaking records and, you know, setting new bars. And today we're going to set a new bar that we've never set before. We're going to do something unprecedented, something we've never, ever accomplished. We're going to bring on a new mom. We've never done that. We've never had a, a new mom come on and join the podcast. Now, some of you are like, how many new moms does Corey know? Well, I know one. And so we're going to bring on a very familiar, well, I was going to say face, but again, this is going to be a faceless episode. So we're going to bring on a very familiar voice for many of you. This is Megan, the trainer, the dietitian, the new mom. I, you got lots of hats, but hey, I just yeah. want to say welcome back to the program. I'm so happy to have you with us. Whoop, whoop. Excited to be here. My title is getting so much longer. It That's is, so exciting. <laughs> We, we appreciate that at Fitness Land Down. We love the experience that you bring on and off the floor. And I just, I don't know if I can speak on behalf of the team, especially Shelly, but we miss you here. We can't wait to have you back. <laughs> especially Shelly. Oh, I'm, I'm going to so let Shelly hold her own opinions. And I only say this because I know Shelly's going to be listening to this. And what I love <laughs> is that when she listens to these podcasts, it's while she's doing other administrative work and I'm out on the training floor. And I know as soon as she hears this, I'm going to hear that laugh. <laughs> and then I'm going to hear her coming out and be like, what the? So, <laughs> so Shelly out there, yes. I don't know how you feel about Megan coming back, but I miss her and I need her back very fast. We all, and that's all the clients. I can't tell you. They're just like, when's Megan coming back? And I say, I'm like, I don't think she's coming back. And then, then they give that look and I'm like, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I am excited to come back too, to have some, some more routine added in. And so it's, it's been nice to be away. It's been nice to hang out at home with Taz and with Bo, but it's also nice that I get to bring Bo with me. So home, not a whole lot really changes on that front. So, but it'll be good to see everybody and you know, just get back in the swing of things. So yeah, FLD needs Bo, just like Bo needs FLD. You got it. And for all you those that don't know, you know, I mean, Bo is Megan's son and I have to share this story. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just want everybody out there to know what a boob I am. So at Fitness Line Down for any of our non-clients, we have... You know, every month we do kind of a bring a friend week. And on that Monday, Megan texts me and she says, hey, because it's bring a friend week, I have a friend that wants to come and check out the gym. And of course, as a gym owner, always, always trying to get more people to come in and experience what we're doing. I get super duper excited. I'm like, great, you know. And then I'm kind of figuring out, like, why isn't Megan telling me more information? Because Megan's been in this game long enough that she should know, hey, my friend's name is this and they're looking for you know, core stability, core strength. Maybe they're looking for shoulder mobility, something like this. Nothing's happening. So I text her back. I'm like, hey, okay, what's your friend's name? And, you know, she also told me the time that her friend was planning to come to visit. And I remember texting you back saying, is your friend going to be participating in a session or do they just want to check it out? Oh, they just want to check it out. 
So then, you know, certain time I'm like, okay, great. All right. Well, tell me what's your friend's name and what, what is it that they're looking for? Well, you didn't tell me their name right away. Mm-hmm. But what, what was it they were looking for? Neck control and something else? Yeah, I said that he's not really coordinated. Um, he really struggles with neck control. Um, you know, he's just really <laughs> unstable, really just, he's really just looking for a lot of coordination stuff. So, and so again, on my half, I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, well, we have a lot of uncoordinated people that, you know, we could do this. I'm like, the neck thing's kind of odd, but you know, some bird dogs, dead bugs, hit bridges, that'll take care of stuff. <laughs> and so it's like, all right. Um, and then just later on, I was like, what? what's your friend's name? I got to know who this friend is, what, what to call them. And then you come back and say, B-Man. He goes by B-Man. He goes yeah. by B-Man. And I'm just like, what the hell? I am not going to call anybody B-Man. Like, that's just stupid. <laughs> I'm still oblivious to what's about to happen here. I'm just like, you got a friend that's got these issues. They want to go by B-Man. I'm like, if you got these issues, you don't deserve to be called B-Man. Um, and then I think it kind of hit me a little bit. Well, no, then I'm like, all right, seriously, what's your friend's name? And you're like, Bo. <laughs> you know, I don't, for anybody out there that's ever seen Forrest Gump, I felt like Forrest Gump. Like, you got a friend named Bo too? You know, just like, well, what's the father's name? His father's name, Forrest, is Forrest. He's got a daddy named Forrest too. So I'm just like, uh, well, that's yeah. that's very coincidental that you have a friend named Bo and also you have a son named Bo. Son but named Bo. All of a I'm like, holy cow, she's going to bring her kid to the gym. I mean, it took me so long <laughs> to figure this out. <laughs> I don't I know, know why. I thought you were kidding. I thought you were like feeding into it because in the first line, when I was like, I have a friend and I had a whole line of winky face emojis after that. And I was like, <laughs> he's got to figure out. And then he kept asking questions. And I was like, do I play into this? Or do I say like, I'm coming with Bo, like my son for bring a friend. Week. Or I, would like- have looked, <laughs> I would have looked less foolish if you would have just came right out with it. <laughs> That was pretty fun for me, though. So but I just I do don't that? understand. Here's what I don't understand. How has Fitness Line Down been able to be alive and well so long with me at the helm? You know, <laughs> just this kind of idiocy. And all of a sudden, the business can still do things. You know what? I know why is because we have a staff that does a great job. Like I, I was about to say, you've got the three musketeers underneath you. We're, I'm just the we're man behind the curtain. Like, pay no mind <laughs> to this person over here. And so kind of a funny story to talk about Bo. But Megan... Um, delivered Bo on, holy cow, I'm just trying to remember, hold on, September 27th? No, it doesn't no, even August. Have, September 27th. July, July 27th, July 27th. 31st. 31st. Oh yeah, the last day of July. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. At 10 o'clock something p.m. Yep. Yeah, 10.23 to be exact, but. Okay, I got something details. right. Exactly. No, he was 21 and a half inches. Uh, 22. Okay, I mean. I'm getting pretty close. Nine, nine pounds, 12 ounces. Yeah, there you go. So Megan had, Megan had a core bag for a, for a delivery. Like, but the kid, I've met him a couple of times. He is a handsome little fella and Mm -hmm. he is, what'd you say? He's already in three month clothing. Um, actually he's now getting into the three to six month clothing. He's too long for three months. His torso is too long. So he fits into zero to three month pants, like his legs fit into them, but it's every, his torso is so long. So anything that like snaps underneath his diaper, it's like stretching a mosquito over a rain barrel. Sometimes it's just like <laughs> pull to the button. I, I got a, a mosquito across the rain barrel. Is this yeah, like an antigo thing? 
Yeah, that's actually a Craig thing. He says that a lot. So that's something that that's rubbing that's, off on me from him. That's so. very interesting. Very, yeah. Yes. Yeah, stretching that's, a mosquito across. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you it's do a good you. analogy. So you do you. Yeah. <laughs> it's very wonderful. So I brought Megan on because, well, I, I wanted to talk with her selfishly. I just wanted to have her on the program and talk about things. And the one thing that has been coming up in the gym lately is especially with our training. So anybody out here that's listening knows that we're not your typical gym. We don't do traditional exercises. We don't use traditional equipment per se. We're not using barbells. We're not using dumbbells or machine-based equipment. Uh, A lot of kettlebells, a lot of sandbags, resistance bands, suspension trainers, lever bells, sliders, a lot of functional training tools. And of course, as everybody might know, because you've listened to plenty of these podcast episodes, we also follow a very particular system of training. We don't just throw darts in the dark, hoping to hit the uh, hip, hoping to hit the uh, dartboard. You know, we're not taking guesses when people walk in and be like, you know, I just hope this one sticks. We've got a lot of experience. We've got the education and knowledge behind this that we make really good decisions when it comes to making programs for people. And that's in our group training and our semi-private personal training. Well, lo and behold, as a, as a Megan saying would say, how bizarre is the fact that we have a lot of people that start talking about how they feel so good, you know? And of course you think about that when you walk into a gym, right? And Megan, you know, this experience, I'll be leaning on that. People come into the gym, they have their first few workouts and they say they feel good, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the question is now here's, I just, cause we've both worked in traditional gyms with traditional equipment. So what's the difference between them feeling good here and maybe that good feeling that they get from another workout in another gym? Well, I would say from my previous experience, like the feeling that people get, like if they came back, they're like, oh, I feel good or whatever. Usually it's based on like soreness um, and it's based on, you know, how heavy they went or something like that. It's not necessarily on like how good functionally they feel. Whereas I feel like that's kind of a difference that sometimes we can see from our clients. Like they'll say like, you know what, I felt good going up the stairs today instead of taking the elevator. And to some people that might not seem like a whole lot, but that's a huge win for, you know, if if you struggle going up the stairs, the chance that you can go up the stairs, that is a big thing to celebrate. So I feel like that's kind of the thing that sets it apart is it's in a lot of those everyday kind of things where things are getting easier or more comfortable or aren't as strenuous, um, with a lot of the stuff that we do. And especially from like a balance perspective, um, and a coordination perspective too. So yeah, like yeah. your, your friend B-Man with coordination. Exactly. Um, now that's, <laughs> it, now that's really interesting. This is why I like to talk to different people about these kind of subjects because different things come up. So you're saying, if I got this right, is that when somebody goes into like your typical gym, let's just call it your typical gym versus your atypical gym like us, that they're feeling good might be almost like, hey, I feel good because I passed the test, right? Like I got done with this test and I was able to go through everything you wanted me to do and I passed. So even though I might have achy joints per se, and I might be a little bit more sore than I want to be, I feel good that I was able to do everything you wanted me to do. That's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. See, I've, had... that's I've never thought about it that way. That's crazy. And I've had some clients before in the past come in and they're just like, oh yeah, like, you know, my low back is a little sore, but that's good because I'm strengthening those muscles. And so then I'm always just like, time out, time out. Like, no, 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 no. Like that, that's not a, that's not a good feeling to have, especially in your low back. Like, oh no, no. Like that's not, we don't want to be exercising those muscles in that way. That's not the point of those muscles. But again, it's just kind of overcoming that old school mentality of like the pain, no pain, no gain kind of thing. I'm like, no pain is, is good. You know, like that's, that's the goal. That's, that's what we're, that's what we're striving for. So. 
Well, I love to say time and time again, you know, it's no brain, no gain, right? So it's just like, and again, you bring up another great point is especially a fitness line down. I mean, there's the three spots. We don't want people to feel any achiness, shoulders, low back and knees. So, I mean, if you're starting to feel in those three spots, you're not really working what needs to be worked. Um, And we want to make sure that we take care of this because as I've heard before, is that the, the victim screams louder than the attacker. So sometimes when you're feeling those and you're hearing that a little bit more, that that's actually working more than it should be. And I, I coming from me, I don't, I've never experienced a lot of shoulder issues or knee issues, actually none, <laughs> but I've had low back things. I think I've talked about this before on the program, but, and I'm very sensitive about this. So when I'm talking to people, especially when we're teaching deadlifts, hip hinges, all those things, as I'll mention to them, if you feel anything in the low back whatsoever, stop. And we need to have a conversation because we can coach you into a better spot because I think you could uh, talk about this too, Megan, is that we might be looking from somebody at the external level and they might have a pretty stellar hip hinge, it looks like, but then we find out how is it going? They're like, my back's a little achy. So what would you, what do you do when it comes to that kind of situation? Because impeccable form, looking at them, like any trainer would see and be like, wow, that's a really good hip hinge. So why does their low back hurt? Well, and a lot of it kind of comes over kind of like what we just kind of mentioned about, you know, showing up and just doing a te- the checklist of just like, oh, I just bend over and then I stand back up like, well, no, that's not exactly what happens in a deadlift. There's a lot more nuance to it. And I think that's kind of the beauty of what we do at Fitness Lying Down. We really emphasize some of those really internal things because that's where the magic happens. And it's sometimes it's difficult to really portray that. And like, until you kind of feel it and then it clicks and then you can see like that aha moment with clients and they're like, oh, so in around the world is not a shoulder movement. Yeah, like, right. Oh. <laughs> as soon as somebody so, learns that, they're like, whoa. Exactly. Exactly. The matrix has been exposed. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, going back to your specific question, you know, if I am working with a client and they're just like, this is not feeling good, my low back usually, um, you know, again, obviously I'll watch them do the movement just to make sure there aren't any glaring things. But again, if it's like, okay, this, the form of what you're doing looks good, but now we need to talk about some of those nuances. What's going on with your feet? What's going on with your hands? How are some of these things going? Because again, like obviously if they're falling forward and their shoulders are going, then we would talk through that. But um, kind of talking about a lot of those like internal things and it's more than just like, oh, okay, then just squeeze your butt. Like that's not a very effective coaching cue. So we don't do that here. Um, so it kind of comes back to that. We're addressing some of those things, kind of like what you mentioned about the victim versus the, uh, um, the assailant or the assaulter, or what have you. It's not always like always the low back that we need to focus on. It's usually what's going on above and below. So those are kind of the things that I would address as a trainer in those sessions. You rocked it because it was a test. I just want to make sure you're still like, this is actually kind of a re-interview for when you come back. I'm just, I want to make sure you're still on top of the thing. (laughs) And, you know, she says it so well. And, you know, to break that open just a little bit more is, you know, we talk about your typical gyms versus your atypical gyms, your more traditional Tim gyms. Um, is there more task oriented? As Megan said, they check the things off the box. Like, okay, I see you doing this. So I'm going to repeat that. And I'm going to mimic that. Now that might work to a certain degree. However, there's what, you know, as we talked about, like they might have this great bend over position and form, but we want to talk about intentional form. And so that's where Megan was touching upon is with the hands and the feet. And for anybody out there that knows about this, they appreciate this. They can totally understand. Taz wants right, to be part of the podcast. I, yeah, I was just about to say, I think the FedEx guy just came in. My mother-in-law just slid the patio door shut because she's like, there's all 
somebody out here. All four dogs are going crazy. So hopefully that inter- didn't interrupt too much. So I'm sorry. I don't think it interrupted. I think people are just like, I don't even hear Courtney anymore. I'm just listening to the dogs. There's dogs in this podcast. <laughs> dogs and babies. What? Wow. This is, I, I didn't know I was going to tune into this. Maybe that's going to be the title dogs and babies. Um, yeah. oh my. However, you know, we're talking about that intentional form. So intentional form actually really makes a big difference versus your correct form. You know, everybody's always like, I want to do things with good form. Well, good form only goes so far. You have to have that intentional form. So as I talked about before, as you're grabbing onto the ground with the feet, this makes such a big difference. And especially using your hands too. I mean, how many times people will put bands around feet and that's great, but if they're not actually gripping tightly with their hands and the beauty of, especially when it just comes to a deadlift exercise, the beauty of using the ultimate sandbag versus a barbell is the gripping. So with the barbell, you have to have your hands grabbing the bar. So typically your palms are facing you, which would be called a pronated grip. Where with the sandbag now, there's actually grips on the top of the bag that offer more of what we call a neutral grip. So now your palms are faced in and your hands are now in that neutral position, which makes your shoulder health a whole lot better, which helps you to engage the lats a little bit more strong. So those are some of those, like as Megan mentioned, the nuances being able to kind of add those small little layers, AKA sprinkles into that, into that session, into that exercise can make it or break it for somebody because that's, you know, so many people, this is one of those pet peeves of mine, not because of the people that come in and say this, but because of the people that put this in their head that your low back is weak. So it's okay to feel the muscles work a little bit. No, that's not okay at all. Um, And the problem is that the more you do that, at some point, there's going to be the last straw that finally breaks that camel's back that all of a sudden is like, what happened to my back right now? It's just something went out, you know, something snapped or something. So it's like, no, you should be feeling in different body parts than the low back. Mm -hmm. Now, with that being said, I say this all the time when people ask me how I'm feeling, uh, you know, physically, like when I go into for my massages or my zones or anything like that, it's always like, how are you doing? And I can always answer that today. I mean, I can't always. At some point, maybe I won't be able to answer it this way. Mine is a broken ankle. I pretty much answered this is the oldest I've been today, and it's still the best I've ever felt. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can get that a lot with the traditional working out and the training. I think about some of my friends that still might be training with barbells, like the way we did back in high school and college. These guys have jacked up shoulders, their knees hurt, their hips hurt, their low backs hurt but they keep cranking out these weights like as if they were like still a 20 year old guy in the gym. And I would probably be, I don't know. I wonder where I would be without DVRT. It's almost like we need, we need the, it's a wonderful life movie on me. You know, it's like, (laughs) would I, cause I, I, I tell people, and I think I've shared this with you is I got to that point where I was ready to walk away from fitness. I was Mm -hmm. burnt out. And even my body was kind of just feeling off from the wear and tear of barbell training, I was ready to hang it up. I just didn't want to do this anymore. Unfortunately, I did get into DVRT and the rest is a little bit history, but now I want to kind of turn the table on you, Megan, mm-hmm. because everybody that's followed you on you know the social knows how rip and strong you are. And I always laugh because we do have that picture hanging up in the gym of you when you were like newly FLD DVRT. Yeah. <laughs> and you were a little what we'd call scrawny I was. and uh but you had a you had a heart of gold and you're you you were pretty strong still pound for pound you were able to do some things but then we started introducing you to our high intensity training and your body really adapted well to that mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you became very strong 
and not just strong, like physically strong, but internally too. Like, I mean, physically like body parts that you can see Megan, you know, her arms increased her, her thighs got, I don't want to say bigger, but they got stronger. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you just became strong, but then that internal, like the stuff people can't see the muscles deep in. Right. And that's the beauty of, of our DVR DVRT training, especially here at FLD. So I kind of want you to tell the audience kind of your own little testimonial, if you will, of Ooh. how this kind of training really helped you, you know, prepare through pregnancy during, you know, delivery. And now as a, I, I, how long does postpartum really last? Um, some people say that postpartum is like anytime after you've had a baby. So you could be like six years postpartum if you wanted to, um, I don't know. I just, in my head, it's just kind of until I get back to like a different routine instead of just like hanging out at home. Yeah. So, so probably in like a week or so I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> I'm done being classified as postpartum. I'm, I'm post the postpartum. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I'd love to hear like, you know, it's just, and this is one of the reasons why I brought Megan on is because I just, I want her to fluff up our feathers, but no, I want it because this is great. We've helped some moms get through pregnancy being strong and mm -hmm. you know, they bounce pretty much back after having a baby. I don't, I mean, it is a recovery process because there's a, obviously a really physical thing and a, a big thing that happens to your body that your body has to recover from after giving birth. But I just kind of want to hear like how you attribute your training to, you know, carrying a baby, delivering a baby and now recovering from that process. Yeah, Absolutely. So typically, like when I was in college back at UWL and we were learning about just like the whole pregnancy period in general, there's a lot of misconceptions, especially when it comes to like fitness for training with pregnant women. And a lot of people sometimes are like, oh, you know, don't go above, you know, heart rate of 140. Um, you know, don't do anything too strenuous. You know, if you aren't active before, don't be active now. And you can't run marathons and different things like that. So, so it's just kind of a weird stage of life to be in, especially in like a gym setting, um, and from like a fitness standpoint. Um, but again, like a lot of the stuff that we do at fitness lying down, um, definitely runs parallel with a lot of the recommendations as far as like training your like pelvic floor, training all the coordination in like your abdominals and all that. Oh, there's a B by me. We're going to go over here. Okay. Um, love the singing with that. Uh, so wait, now, during pregnancy, you can still run a marathon. Is that what you were saying? Yes. I mean, if you've never run a marathon, this is not the time to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so typically, the recommendation when it comes to activity for pregnancy is just to kind of continue doing whatever it is you've been doing. Now, again, for some people, they're like, well, what if I don't do anything? So I'm supposed to do nothing. Um, but just very light intensity kind of things. Um you know, something to still get your body moving. And it's just going to make labor delivery postpartum. A lot of those things can be a lot easier on your body. If you can kind of prepare a little bit for it. And you kind of almost like train for, for pregnancy, for birth, as if it's like an event, as weird as that sounds, but it, well, really it definitely is. is an event, right? There's a lot that happens. Um, and so for me, I found out I was pregnant when I was like four weeks pregnant. As soon as the, the test could give me a positive, that was pretty much, I think, when we found out. Um, and now, did so, you have any inclination prior to that, that like, you're like, ah, some, some things are off right now? Yes and no. Part of me is also is just like, am I just being like paranoid and like almost like a, what's it called when people are like obsessed that they think they're sick all the time? Oh, um, shoot. Uh Hypochondria, not hypochondria. Is it hypochondria? Yeah, I think so. Something yeah, like hypochondriac. that. 
but kind of like that where you're just like, oh, um, I'm having a headache today. Is that because my hormones are changing? Oh, I kind of feel crampy. Am I getting my period or is, does this mean I'm pregnant? Like, oh, is this happening? But like, again, a lot of the symptoms can mean a bunch of different things. So I was trying not to feed into it too much to just kind of freak myself out. I was like, you know what? When I take the test, we'll know and it'll be fine. So, um, so I kind of had more of like an intuitive inclination where I was just like, I think this is going to be it. Mm-hmm. You know, I nothing is, you know, directly pointing towards it. We'll see once I take a test. But, uh, but yeah, then it was positive. And so took the positive test on Sunday, told you on Monday. because I Yeah, on a side note, I was, I was one of the first ones to find out, which is great. <laughs> but I, I still remember I was coming in for the shift. And I think you were just taking out garbage. And I think you yep. were wiped by walk, walking down the stairs. Yes. And you're like, I, I don't know if you told me I need to tell you something, but you were, you told me. And mm-hmm. I was, I was extremely excited for you because I know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, married and this is usually the next step. But one of the reasons why you told me you, you disclosed was that you want to make sure that when we're training together with the rest of the team, <laughs> I don't rip you too hard for going lighter on things, exactly. which I don't know what that means. Do I do that? Well, I mean, like when we do a 1545 or something heavy and you're like, oh, you're only using a strength two. And I'm just like, fine. Well, I'll grab a strength three, but then I do it right back at you. Like you're using right. the red kettlebell. I was going to use the red kettlebell and you're like, oh, poop. Yeah. I mean, so, that's the great thing about training as a team, but all of a sudden, like now it took out a new meeting and I was very mm-hmm. appreciative of that because you know, me being an idiot, the guy can't even figure out that you're bringing your kids <laughs> to the gym. <laughs> like Megan, why are you using the green bag instead of the blue bag? You know? So, mm-hmm. uh, so we're able to keep things on the down low. And I was able mm-hmm. to tell Rebecca, I got your permission for that. Um, but yeah, super excited. So yeah, you, were, you found out you're pregnant and things, you worked in a really good job for being newly pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, like during the first trimester, I didn't necessarily make a whole ton of changes as far as training goes. The biggest symptom that I had, I was just like tired all the time. And I remember there was a time when you were coming in and I don't know if I had a nutrition client afterwards, but I remember like sitting, leaning up against the wall, like very slowly eating goldfish being like morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, how you doing? I was like, I'll be fine. Just like, give me a second to eat these goldfish and I'll pull through. Um, so that was kind of the biggest thing as far as like changes to training was just, I was just super wiped. So I didn't really push it from like a heavy weight perspective. Um, I just kind of held at like plateau with whatever it was that I was currently doing. Um, once the second trimester came, then I felt like I was really hitting my stride and I was like, Oh yeah, I feel good. I can do this. I can rock this. And my belly wasn't getting in the way. So I feel like I was kind of back to my pre-pregnancy workout intention, I guess, if you will. Well, and I but totally then, remember yeah. too that on, on the Fridays when we would train together, like Fridays was kind of like a restoration day, you know, oh, and yes. for the most part, I'm always a fan of, I train hard throughout the week and like anybody else in your work week, you know, Fridays tend to be kind of a, Ooh, you know, I, I like Fridays. Don't get me wrong, but I'm usually mentally and I'm kind of zapped. And so I don't mm-hmm. want to have a very aggressive training session. So I loved training with you in the first trimester on a Friday because we kind of go back and forth and you're like, you're. I don't want to say easy exercise. That's not the right word, but more restorative, more like lightweight, yep. just kind of mobility stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was loving that. And then all of a sudden the second trimester comes and all of a sudden you start putting in like, I think we did 30 seconds of cleans and presses. And I was just like, this is nuts. 
And then I think we did one in a quarter squat at some point. In a bear hug like, position. Uh... In a bear hug, which, you know, I'm not going to be able to bear hug like anything less than a burly. So I had to use like something. And, and okay, it really wasn't as bad, but it wasn't the typical Friday session. Um, so it was, I mean, it was fun though. And, you know, I, I miss you on Fridays. We can't wait to have you back for those training sessions as well. And I know that'll be different. But yeah, I remember uh, semester two came around and you were kind of back to... You weren't all the way aggressive with the weights that you're using, mm-hmm. but you got, you cranked it up a little bit in intensity, but then yeah, I felt the... like, or yeah, go ahead. Oh no. I was going to say, then the belly started kind of arriving. Yeah. And that was, it was more so difficult mentally because I was like, this weight is super easy, but I can't, I physically cannot get into that position anymore because like, again, lunging, doing any kind of half kneeling thing, my belly would get in the way of my legs. So Um, and even like hinging, you know, I could only bend forward so far. So I did a lot more good mornings than deadlifts. Um, and even just like holding anything front loaded, that was sometimes more taxing just because it requires a lot more core intensity or core integrity. I mean, um, but the other thing that I wasn't anticipating is that one of the joys of pregnancy, um, is that you have this awesome hormone called relaxin that Mm. is just surging through your body. Now you need it, you need it. I was about to say, when the time comes, relaxin is fabulous. So relaxin, as it kind of sounds like in its name, it allows all of your like muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, your joints to relax and everything spaces out. So again, when labor comes, you got to make room for this bowling ball. Um, but before then, you know, in the third trimester, everything feels loosey goosey. So I felt like when I was walking around, it felt like all of my joints were like almost partially dislocated because everything in my body was just so chill. Um, which made it difficult to then like do an overhead press with a kettlebell because I felt super unstable holding anything heavier than 12 kilos over my head. Not because it was heavy, but just because, you know, even though my intention was there to help hold it stabilized, it was just, it was too much, uh, with all of the hormones going on. So, um, so that was kind of the biggest thing that changed for the third trimester was like, physically my body size would not allow me to do some things and then like hormonally chemically different things just were challenging so even going into like a single leg deadlift I just dropped down and just did like a sprinter stance deadlift um just because again I could feel you know everything in my hips and in my pelvis was like super loose um which again glad it's there it is helpful when you need it but uh not when you're doing a 30 30 mrt so <laughs> right and you know i'm just so grateful that you're bringing these kind of things up because you're you're giving us real world examples of the progressions and regressions so mm-hmm. this isn't just what we would do with somebody that is pregnant this is something that we do with anybody that might be unstable so this you know again great description on this is if you hold the kettlebell and you're pressing overhead Well, that requires more stability because of the independence of the single bell that is going to have a little more effect on your body. And so some of us, you know, once again, like you're talking about the person that is getting better at walking upstairs for a lot of us walking upstairs is not a problem, but good on that person that this is now all of a sudden, maybe some of you is like, well, I can press the kettlebell overhead. Well, great. Now we can find you a more challenging position to do that in. Like, Hey, why don't you press the kettlebell over your head standing on one leg, (laughs) you know, um, Mm -hmm. But now what, you know, so all of a sudden now, not just because of the laxicity of your relaxing, but somebody's just not stable. Well, guess what? We use the ultimate sandbag and now you're able to press with both hands overhead. Mm-hmm. So there's more stability in that implement and you're standing on both feet flat on the ground. And then 
And then that's why we always say with the lower or upper body dominant exercises. So we consider an overhead press being more upper body dominant, even though everything is the total body experience that we actually manipulate the body position before we uh, change up the holding position. So then we go into those sprinter stances, those split stances, all these different other stances, holding a stable implement. So this is, I just love that you painted that picture because this is not how we would necessarily, this is not just focused on pregnant woman training. This is focused on everybody training, you know, that this, this kind of training is not sports specific. It's not species or it's not um, uh, gender specific. It's species specific. We train Mm -hmm. the body how it's meant to move. Uh, So I love that image. So continue on. I'm sorry. Now, no, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say you have more things to say, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, because I'm going to go get fill up my coffee. So I'm going to edit out this part. (laughs) So you just keep talking and I'll come right back. That's really the beauty of, again, what we do at Fitness Lying Down with following the, the DVRT um, principles, because again, you don't have to be pregnant to follow this. You don't have to be older than 50. You don't have to have a previous injury. You don't have to have, you know, gym experience. Um, you know, it can be applicable and we can kind of flex, you know, progress you and regress you as needed. Um, so again, sometimes there's people out there who promote that they offer specific services, you know, athletic performance, you know, enhancing things or you know, I'm a coach who works specifically with, you know, pregnant women. So come see me, you know, for all things, you know, pregnancy related, but you don't need to go to those specific places with a lot of DVRT stuff. You can, we can still train your pelvic floor at FLD. Everybody has a pelvic floor, so you don't need to be pregnant. Just focus on your pelvic floor. And a lot of the stuff that we do again of incorporating, you know, everything from head to toes and everything in between, literally, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of nice to, to have a one-stop shop when coming to FLD and, and doing DVRT things. So, but yeah, so that was kind of the stuff that happened during the, uh, the third trimester. And, and of course, you know, I mean, as you heard in the beginning of the episode, Bo was not a little baby. He was, he's a big boy. So, uh, my body's like center of mass and center of gravity and all of that was definitely skewed. I mean, my belly was huge. I was like all belly. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, yes, you were. I was there. I saw that. Exactly. So I was starting to not fit into like maternity clothes um, because my belly was starting to get so big. So I was just like, this kid better come soon. Or like, I don't know what I'm going to even be like wearing. So, and I think um, I had that, that rude joke that I would say once in a while that, you know, your belly was on time, but you were five minutes late. (laughs) Honestly, honestly. Um, So yeah, so those are just kind of the different layers and things that sometimes can impact training for pregnant women. But again, you know, that's not, that's nothing that we would shy away from at fitness line down. That's not something that's going to scare us away with, with DVRT stuff, which is super awesome. Um, but yeah, so then as far as like leading into labor and delivery, because again, this is, this is a pretty serious strenuous event, um, you know, that takes place. And for some women, this can last days for some women, this is only a couple of hours. So, but you never really know until it's done. Um, but the more like endurance and stamina, you know, that your body can have, you know, the better. And the other thing too, is that there's a huge mental component as well. So, I mean, if you come in to FLD and you do a 30, 30 and you do body saws for 30 seconds, that is no easy movement. You need a lot of like mental kind of grit almost to keep you going, you know, through this. And it's kind of the same thing, you know, when you, if you're in labor and you're having a contraction that's lasting for, you know, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. You just have to keep breathing. You have to keep, you know, focusing in on that work rest, you know, time. And then, you know, as soon as it's over then completely relax and allow your body to rest. So that was kind of my, 
it helps me mentally going into labor to be like, okay, let's just treat this like an MRT. I mean, it's a ridiculously awful MRT. I wouldn't recommend a lot of clients, you know, do a 90, 30 workout by any means. to that work to rest ratio, but I mean, the philosophy at least is there of, uh, you know, just kind of working on that work rest time frame anyway. Um, so yeah, so it's helpful physically, it's helpful mentally, um, in those things. And then, so for me, for a little bit of Bo's birth story, so I was home, what day was it? Friday? No, Saturday was when my water broke and I went over by almost 10 days. So my <laughs> midwife was just like, we'll, we'll put you on the schedule for um, an induction just because there's a lot of people having babies. So if you want to potentially plan an induction, we got to get you on the schedule. Otherwise, you know, who knows how long we'll let you go for. Um, but uh, so I was like, all right. So Craig and I were chilling at home and we were going to go in later that afternoon. And I think my scheduled induction was set for like 3 p.m. or something that Saturday. And uh, I was laying on the couch and I readjusted myself and I could tell my water broke. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess now's the time. So loaded everything up, drove into the hospital. I had some pretty consistent contractions all the way through the drive that were, you know, tolerable. I could sit there and talk to Craig through them. So they weren't super intense, um, but they were definitely noticeable. And so got everything situated at the hospital. I labored in the tub for a while, labored in the bed, um, took some pain meds to help me sleep because the, uh, my nurse was like, this is probably going to be a long haul. We want to make sure that you feel rested. So we want you to sleep tonight. So here's some meds that'll help kind of knock you out a little bit and you can sleep. And I was like, all right, sweet. So next day labored for a while, things started getting a little more intense, need a little more pain support. So I was using some nitrous oxide for a little while. And cause then things started getting pretty intense. And, and, uh, and then I was like, okay, cause then they put me onto some Pitocin to help speed up some stuff for my induction and contractions can get pretty intense when you have uh, Pitocin. So things are getting a little wild. And I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I need something else. So, um, I got an epidural around like maybe like four or five o'clock. Um, and at that point, again, my contractions were pretty intense and I was like, all right, I'm ready to, to just chill out in the bed for a little <laughs> while. I'm ready. I'm ready to give my body a little bit of rest here. Cause otherwise I'm not going to be able to get through any kind of pushing. Um, I'm getting pretty tired. And, uh, but B-Man had other plans. He uh, was sitting still pretty high in my pelvis and my midwife would check. I got up to like seven centimeters dilated, but that's as far as I went. And I stayed there for about four hours. And uh, the stinky thing was, is because my water broke, I was now pushing like almost 30 hours of having my water break and your risk of infection goes up after that. And so she was like, it's kind of getting to the point where we might have to, you know, talk about, you know, doing a C-section. Um, you know, if we don't see any other changes just for infection, you know, purposes. So we're like, okay, just let's ride it out just a little bit longer, you know, check me again and, and we'll see if there's, if there's some changes, if my body's kicking in sweet. Um, but otherwise, if not, then C-section it is, that'll be the safest thing for me and for, uh, for both. So four hours later, she checked me and I had no change. It's like, <laughs> mm. but this is the point where I was going on like almost 36 hours in labor, um, and so Craig, my husband, he kind of looked at me. He's like, I know this isn't what you wanted, but um, he's like, you're tired. You look really tired. And I think he's like, if you want to keep going, I mean, okay. But he's like, this is, this is getting to be really long. And again, it's your risk of infection and things are starting to, to kind of tip to the other side of the scale. So, so we decided that C-section was going to be the safest. So away we went uh, probably about like 10 o'clock into the OR. They got Craig all dressed up. He sat by me. 
And then, uh, then yeah, Bo was born at 10.23 p.m. on Harry Potter's birthday. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> you got to throw that one in there. I, I forgot exactly. about the, uh, the last day mm-hmm. of July being HP's birthday. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's amazing because I know, you know, I can, it didn't go as planned. You know, you just mm-hmm. want to kind of go and have the natural birth and, you know, leave and everything's hunky-dory. So I think this is a great also witness to the fact of, because how many people just watching you train in the gym are just like, oh, you know, Megan's going to have a wonderful labor and delivery because she's, you know, her squats <laughs> and this and that. And it's like, well, you know, when you've got a kid that big and your pelvis is only so big, and especially, mm-hmm. you know, the change is not happening. That should be happening as you're, you know, so it's great that we can have this intervention. So you could still mm-hmm. have a healthy baby and mom and uh, mom and baby can be perfectly fine and normal. Um, so this is, I mean, I think this is all great because as you mentioned before, you know, like the whole pelvic floor thing, there's so much like talk. It's almost like people try to isolate that pelvic floor. Like we're going to do, and you know, you want that integration. So it's great that we talked about that and the fact that, well, first of all, that the pelvic floor is not just a female, you know, it feels like it's always just a female thing, but you Mm -hmm. know, men, they have the pelvic floor, which if you Mm -hmm. go to the anatomy books, you can find exactly where it is. It's on the floor of your pelvis. And it's very important for the whole core musculature. So now as we're talking about like recovery, because I, I'm on that point where strength training for me is king. And I think, and I don't want to poo poo other forms of training, like, you know, but especially our strength training, being strong for us is being resilient. And now that doesn't mean I'm going to be able to lift thousands of pounds and nor should I have to, but being strong in my body gives me so much benefits. And one of those benefits is I believe injury prevention, but it's also recovery. You know, you can bounce back better when you're strong. You know, if you're, if you're in a weakened state, if you're, if your muscle tone is kind of weakened and your mobility is compromised and all this stuff, I think it'd be hard for people to bounce back from any kind of like setback. And I don't, I don't want to call pregnancy a setback. That's not a setback, mm-hmm. but physically, I mean, you have That's to kind a big of, change. It is. Mm-hmm. So any kind of illness, cause I'm not going to call those things the two the same, but any kind of physical setback. So how do you anticipate, you know, because you have been basically not inactive, but you haven't been on any exercise regime because of the surgery, they ask you mm-hmm. not to. Like, I think, what do they say? The heaviest weight you should lift is your kid. Yep. So, a good thing you are as strong as you are because most babies aren't that big. <laughs> so, it's good, that, it's good that you're able to be that strong. Um, but, I mean, how do you foresee now all this training helping you bounce back, like in a couple of weeks when you start hitting the training floor again? Yeah, absolutely. So, the thing is, is that again, like a lot of times, if you were to give birth, you know, like vaginally, then people are like, oh, your pelvic floor muscles, they are tired, they are stretched, you know, they've, you know, done all this, we need to let all those muscles relax, and we need to strengthen them again. Um, because of everything that they just went through with the bowling ball passing through all of them. So then sometimes people say like, oh, you had a C-section. So you don't need to do anything pelvic floor related because, you know, maybe actually didn't pass out, you know, through your, your pelvic, you know, inlet, outlet, all of that jazz. Um, but that's not the case either. So if anybody's listening who has had a C-section and somebody just kind of glossed over the, the effect of pelvic floor work, um, you still deserve attention with pelvic floor. You can still have some, some tightness and some things going on. Um, so a little caveat to that. Um, but these are things I can't offer so much. I I don't know this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm learning. mm -hmm. So, um, so the thing is, is with the procedure of a C-section, 
muscles aren't actually cut, so to say. They don't like, you know, hack open your rectus abdominis. Um, they cut through your linea alba so that the, um, the fascia in between your six pack, so to say. Um, so that way they can get where the baby is. Now, this is good because, of course, if you cut through muscle, your recovery, you know, immediately skyrockets. But again, this is now a completely different area and you're still cutting through tissue. You're still cutting through fascia. And I mean, we, you've talked to, I'm sure, in other episodes about all the slings in the fascial, you know, system that we have in our body. And yes, our muscles are important, but our fascia is just as important because it connects all of those things together and stuff still passes through them. And so with having this incision in my, you know, very low pelvis here, this is, you know, essentially cutting through my, um, uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, my anterior oblique sling. You know, if you look on your, your little picture, man, of all of those muscles that are connected, it literally cuts all of, it cuts that sling right in half, you know, it disconnects it. So that's kind of the thing that as far as recovery goes is, is reconnecting that, you know, that sling essentially, I mean, all the slings are helpful, but that one specifically, well, right. um, especially when it comes to lunging activities. Exactly. And so, and that was actually a, a movement that I really struggled with, you know, early on post, post recovery, post op recovery. Um, because again, because my kid is so big that when I was open for my C-section, they had to extend, extend the incision, um, a little bit more to make room for him. And so that spot where they extended the incision was way more tender, way more swollen, way more, you know, had a lot more healing to do. Um, then on the other side. So when I would be down on the floor, changing his diaper or playing with him and I would go to stand up, I would essentially stand up like from a lunch position and I couldn't do it with my right leg up. Um, I always had to do it on the other side. So I was a little worried about coming back to FLD and demonstrating lunges for clients and being like, eh, I can't do this on the side yet. Um, but I'm a lot better now. I feel pretty good. I can, I can do it on both sides. Everything is, has become back to balance, but, um, but again, like you mentioned, you know, usually after a C-section, you're only restricted to lifting just your baby. But again, with all of the training and stuff that I did beforehand, I feel like I can say that I'm very in tune with my body and, you know, I can listen to the, to the signals that it's giving me, the messages that it's, that it's sending. And I can, you know, pretty much, pretty much honor those pretty instantly, I guess, you know, versus some people who are like, oh. I don't know, where should I be feeling this or, you know, feel disconnected with the, the things that their body's telling them. So it was, I feel like that kind of set me up for, you know, success with walking around and picking up Bo, especially because he was a big kid, um, that I would be able to do that safer, you know, maybe compared to some other women who don't have the same training experience that I had during my pregnancy. Um, but yeah, now going into postpartum, I mean, the only, the major thing that I've just been doing is just a lot of walking. Um, mm -hmm. and that's, for a while, that was the only thing that felt good because again, getting up and down on the ground did not feel good and bending over. And again, a lot of my core musculature was pretty much zapped for a while. And I, as I told Corey, like the first day postpartum, I was like, I feel like I just did a workout with nothing but body saws and my, uh, all of my abdominals are, are very tight and very sore. Um, so, but now as I, transition to coming back. Um, I mean, obviously I'm not picking back up where I left things off. Um, cause I'm not that same Megan anymore either, but kind of picking up where we did like all of our Friday sessions with a lot more restorative movements. And again, not to say that I'm only going to be doing dead bugs, bird dogs, hip bridges, and side planks. Um, I will be doing a lot of those, but I'll still be squatting. I'll still be hinging. I'll still be doing all of our human movements. Um, again, not necessarily with like the tin bag just yet, maybe, but, uh, 
I'll work up to that. We'll see well, how long it takes me to get there. You know, the restoration, and because I know this mm-hmm. episode is going to be coming out this week. So for anybody out there, there's still spots open for the uh, DVRT restoration if it is lined down October 8th. Just want to put that out there. I'm going to actually put that in the show notes as well. I'm going to put that link because the stuff you're talking about when it comes to pelvic floor and all the core musculature, but I don't want to just reduce restoration exercises to dead bugs, bird dogs, hip bridges, side planks. You know, those are kind of the, the most popular ones. But you can still do hip hinges with a little mm-hmm. restoration flare. Do you can still do lunges with a restoration flare? Doesn't have to, you know. I mean, to some degree, a max lunge could still be restorative to some degree. It just depends on the intent of what you're doing. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if it's planning on using a huge bag, not so much restorative. But if you're using more of a lighter bag and maybe you're using a lift and chop with that lunge motion in the max position, well, then yeah, there's a lot of restoration to this. So. I know, you know, we're kind of talking about you in the sessions, like, oh, it's gonna be so good to have Megan back. And even we're doing like a 2040, you know, you're going to find, and this is, so for you personally, this is great because you know, the things that work well, and I'll be taking notes because, you know, we can, um, we will, as we always do, we can serve pregnant women better. Um, Mm -hmm. And knowing, you know, from firsthand experience, like this is great for you. Um, But just. I think this is one of the reasons why people need fitness professionals. They need people that are on top of the information, top of the research, because when they're told, Hey, we, you shouldn't be, you know, if you've never exercised before, you shouldn't exercise now or this and that. Um, so it's just going to be beneficial. And we all can't wait for you to come back and join the sessions and watch Megan come back. And I don't know, will there is, is Tim still alive or, you know, is the alter ego still around or are we going to have to rename uh, your alter ego to, Maybe, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of something less than Tim. I... Tim is still there. Tim is still there. Uh, he's kind of taking a little hiatus right now. He's out on a sabbatical, but he shall return. Okay. He shall return, I, so. I don't know how excited I am, but um, I'll be excited. <laughs> and so for anybody out there that might not have listened to any of Megan's previous podcasts, she has an alter ego. Long story. You can go check it that out. Um, alter ego <laughs> named Tim that comes out when... Um, when Megan starts getting a little beastly in the gym, she starts turning a little green, her shorts start ripping a little bit and this alter ego, Tim comes through the door. Oh yeah. Um, I, so lately too, as we're finishing up and all great stuff, and I really appreciate you sharing your story and, you know, being open about it. I got, um, you know, we used to do the five random questions and you've Mm -hmm. done that before, but Mm -hmm. I've kind of, um, based on inspiration from another podcast, they ask three questions. And I totally love these questions because I think you can get a good idea of that person. So I'm going to ask you these three three questions. All right, let's and, do it. Uh, I'm excited. So let's say you can plan your last meal on earth. What would it be? Ooh. Well, my husband just got a pellet grill, as you know. <laughs> so we... <laughs> We've only had ribs on it, and then he made some chicken thighs, and both of them are phenomenal. So I would say I would probably want some uh, some pellet grill ribs, um, some good old mac and cheese, probably from Noodles and Company. We're kind of pulling from a couple of different places here for this meal. So some ribs, some Noodles and Company mac and cheese, and then a nice big piece of cheesecake with strawberries. That you are speaking be- like a girl from Anago. <laughs> <laughs> you are letting your Wisconsin colors fly right now. 
I didn't say anything about potatoes or cheese too much. There is that, but I mean, you've got your meat and then you've got your dairy on top of your pasta and then you're going to add in some more cheesecake. So Mm -hmm. for anybody listening that's on either coast, you're like, that sounds really odd. But in Wisconsin, that's what we call lunch. Totally normal. Um, Okay. So that's that's a pretty, I'm kind of, my mouth is salivating a little bit thinking about mac and cheese right now. (laughs) So question number two is let's say the fitness thing never happened. Let's say you did become a registered dietitian. I mean, let's admit you have more degrees than a thermostat, okay? Um, But let's say none of that ever happened. You have a big blue sky and you could do anything you want. What would you have done? You know, if I didn't find fitness and nutrition, I feel like I probably wouldn't would have gone into like graphic design um, with all of like the handouts and posters and PowerPoints and things that I make. I love tinkering with all of those things. I have zero artistic ability with like a pencil in my hand. Like I can't draw anything to save my life like very nicely or paint anything. Um, but I can make some cool things happen in a, in a PowerPoint slide or on a Canva or <laughs> some of those kinds of things in a more of a digital sense anyway. Um, so I feel like if I didn't do anything related to what I was doing now, I probably would have done maybe something in graphic design. Um, cause yeah, I love kind of tinkering with stuff like that and getting creative. So I'm glad that I can kind of express that outlet with a lot of the nutrition stuff that I do. So but yeah. Yeah. And from a first person perspective, I will agree that, I mean, there's plenty of times where I pass the buck over to Megan, like, Hey, I have to make this like flyer out or something. Can you do it for me? And then she does a more phenomenal job than I would have done. <laughs> it's like, here's a couple words. Here's what's happening. Something, something price, something, something where Megan's like, I got the border. I put a little picture in there. And if it was a PowerPoint, I would add this animation. Um, yep. All right. So moving on, I think this is a phenomenal question I'm about to ask you. And I think I know the answer, but I still have to ask you. So oh give me a little moment as I talk about this. Okay. Um, we believe that successful people are driven by one of two things. It's either the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. Now saying this, nobody wants to lose, right? Mm -hmm. But the the thrill of victory person is that sunny optimist that's climbing up the hill, always seeking that next victory. Glass is always half full kind of mentality. Um, the agony defeat would be kind of your Michael Jordan. Like you win something. It only lasts for a few seconds. It's a fleeting thing. All you can remember is all your defeats, all the things you've done wrong. You carry them around on a backpack and, you know, it's not like people want to lose, like I said, but they're motivated by the fact that they don't want to lose again. So with that being said, uh, would you find yourself being a thrill of victory or an agony defeat kind of girl? Probably the thrill of victory. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, you know me obviously with like how like half is half is glass empty half that's not what i wanted to say at all glass is half full not half empty kind of perspective mm-hmm. the, um, the clean and press test yes oh, <laughs> i just felt like we yay. i just felt like we had one of those now <gasps> the inside story on this i picked up megan a little bit is when i used to edit her uh, movement for life <laughs> videos or her megan movement videos mm-hmm. megan had an issue with saying clean and press test i don't know what the deal is it's just like i wish i would have saved some of that like all right, oh. I just finished doing the press and clean test. I mean, the test clean. Oh, so anyway, <laughs> so you are a glass half full optimist. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and I feel, or yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I want you to talk. Well, and like, I mean, you talk about like, you know, focusing on like defeated. Like, I mean, I think we all do that to some extent, but 
I don't think I let it get me down. I mean, you can use it as a motivating factor and we all are gonna make mistakes and yeah, we've done things that we probably didn't want to or we regret in life, but um, I don't use that as my motivating factor to drive me on to the next thing. Um, so well, that's I think what it's that's fun. all that's what that's all about is mm-hmm. you know each individual does have that one thing that drives them um mm-hmm. and it's like i don't care what i like I'm, I'm a goldfish i don't remember my last thing that i did where i lost i just want to keep winning you know i can't wait to change lives make people better and then of course like you said though i mean we still i mean i remember all my mistakes if i didn't remember my mistakes I'd probably be reliving them, especially in the gym. You know, like we only get better in our training because we made the mistakes, but I'm not going to let yep. that weigh me down because I'm looking, you know, I will admit, most people probably know this. I am a, uh, I'm a thrill of a great person myself. <laughs> How bizarre. How, yeah, I, nobody that knows me, whatever, they would probably be surprised by that. <gasps> I thought Corey, I didn't know Corey was optimistic. I didn't know he was a glass half full, but anyway. So with that being said, I really appreciate you taking this time out. I know we've taken you away from your uh, baby boy for an hour or so, but it was good. good catching up with you. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to see you back at the FLD soon. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to coming home. All right. Home, so, that is. That's us. So you guys out there, friends, family, all those people listening, until the next time that we speak, Godspeed. <laughs>